Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Absurd. Please elaborate. I am your co-host, Julian Huguet. I am also a co-host, Trace Dominguez. And today, we have a studio guest. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sophie Schrand. Yay! Sophie, what do you do? What do I do? I am a science educator. I am a comedian. I'm an improviser. I'm an actor, creator, host, producer, and entrepreneur. Do you do puzzles? I love puzzles. Yeah, that's what we meant. We didn't like <laughs> want to know your background or profession. We're like... Thank God. How into puzzles are you? I'm pretty into puzzles. I haven't done a physical puzzle in a long time, but I, I love them. I actually uh, climb rocks. I rock climb, and that is very puzzle heavy. Oh, yeah. It's like a, that is a physical puzzle, but like a body pathing puzzle. So this is a show where we, uh, science educators, have decided that, you know what, we actually still have a lot of dumb questions of our own that we might be embarrassed to admit that we have, Yeah. but we still have them. Yeah. So in order to get them answered, we thought it would be fun to assign them to each other and then research each other's questions and see what ridiculous answers we come up with to these ridiculous premises. Yeah, we're going to take all of our powers of deduction, research, and mostly Googling and put them toward questions that are just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, embarrassing, frankly. So this week, Sophie actually had uh, what is going to be the question I'm going to answer. So Sophie, what was your question? I'm really excited to ask this question and to find the answer to it. My first question that came to mind was based on a fact someone threw out when I was in New Zealand. I heard somebody say that there are more sheep than people in New Zealand. And I thought, is that true? And then it made me think, what if that were true? And what if it were true across the whole world? What if across the world there were more sheep than people? (laughs) I have to give you props because the premise of the show is like, what's a dumb question? And you were like, I got you, fam. I got this. Trace, I don't know if this is what you mean, but this is the first thing that comes to mind. And we were both immediately yes, like, yes. Got it. Right. I'm on it. We were like fighting over No, I'm going to answer that. <laughs> what if more sheep than people? Yeah, great. I took Let's the go. mantle on this one. Uh, I think first thing I wanted to answer, because I think it's good to just double check your premise, is are there currently more sheep than people? Because C- if there are, then we're done here, right? Like right. things I've continue as normal and we all move on with our day and your segment's very short. Uh, there are not. So there are currently, there's actually about 8 billion people. We're like at or about to tick over that mark. So congrats, everybody, on uh, 8 8 billion. We did it. Trace, you contributed to that. So Thanks. I did my best. I made one (laughs) contribution. Just one. The sheep population, however, is less than 1.2 billion. So we outnumber them uh, almost eight to one. So good job, everybody. We're still we're still in charge here. That's still a lot. That's like a lot of sheep. A billion sheep. I actually wanted to tackle this question because as it happens, I had been thinking about sheep lately. <gasps> yeah, because I wanted to know. I look at other like domesticated animals. And to me, for the most part, you know, it's pretty obvious where things come from, like dogs, wolves, right, cats. Not domesticated, still wild animals that we cohabitate hey, with, if you ask me. Barley's going to attack you for that. Yeah, see? And prove my point. Fall right into it. But sheep. What did? What animal, what wild animal that's still out there did sheep come from? Any guesses? Ooh. My first thought is goats. Wrong, but... Oh. Sophie? Woolly mammoths. <laughs> I mean... You, can I you see... be here all the time? <laughs> like, I just want to see how your brain works. <laughs> <laughs> sheep are the first domesticated animal. <gasps> 
Yeah, along with goats. Hey! Yeah, good job, everybody. Uh, You all get a sticker. The sheep is a uh, descendant of the mouflon. I'm sorry, that's not a real word. It was going to be my second guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the wild mouflon. Uh, They live in Central Asia, from Turkey to Pakistan. They inhabit mountainous deserts and grasslands. And about 12,000 years ago, we domesticated them, making them the oldest domesticated animal. And it kind of makes sense when you look at a sheep because they're so useful. You get, along with sheep meats, you get milk and you get wool if you want to make clothing, like an itchy sweater, right? So perfect for ancient, ancient humans. Much like the mammoths did. They Much. made sweaters. Yeah, <laughs> mammoth wool sweaters. Right, but was, they weren't warm enough. No, well, I mean, there was a lot of wool to deal with. You know, yeah, but like a lot of weird. ice, too, oh, in right. that time. True. Right? Really? Can you imagine, like, ancient cave people getting, like, a woolly mammoth sweater from their cave grandma? For Christmas? And they have for to act. An- ancient ancient yeah. Christmas. All happy about it. Christmas. Yeah. And it's got, like, a cave painting pattern on the front. Because <laughs> they don't have writing. So, like... so it's all a picture of your uncle. Yeah, the, yeah. the card you get only has, like, pictograms of, like, mm-hmm. you know, arrow, and then it draws, like, Og, and then it's, like... Did you hear me say Uncle Og, or did we both independently decide the one name was Og? The only name back then was Og. Okay. Everybody I'm, was named it Og. It was very Great. confusing. It's like Sarah in the 1990s. Everybody was named Sarah. Okay, so mouflon, they resemble bighorn sheep, males and females. They live in groups separately. They come together during mating season. The rams fight for the right to mate with a harem of ewes, and so they fight each other, and then after they butt heads, literally, uh, the dominant one will sometimes kind of basically make all the other ones submit to it by being like, lick my neck. <laughs> yeah, it'll like come over, be like, Neil, and it'll be like, come over here and you lick my neck. Neil, I'm in charge ne- of Neil, you. come over here, Neil. Neil? Neil? Neil, Neil, come over here and lick my neck. Wow, is it like a ceremony? It's ceremony. Yeah, it's like you know, just a social behavior that they exhibit. Of yeah, I'm in charge here. Lick my neck. Which at your next work meeting to establish (laughs) dominance, I highly recommend. But Sarah, I don't want to lick your neck. I don't want to. That's why you have to do it. Sarah's in charge. (laughs) Is it the same place on the neck or different spots? Because I can imagine that would get kind of irritated. A lot of follow-up questions. I can hold on to them. <laughs> Save it for future okay. episodes. So, mouflon, though, there's uh, not a ton out there. They're near-threatened, so there's about 26,000. I don't think we have to worry about them becoming, like, globally dominant anytime soon. So, domesticated descendants. What if, say, they outnumber us because the human population suddenly declined to fewer than 1.2 billion? Whoa. Right? That would be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, like, seven of every eight of us just suddenly were no more. I'm going to say in that scenario, the sheep being uh, more populous than humans is secondary and not really worry about that because whatever's <laughs> wiping us out, unless it's the sheep somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's really the sheep that would have to worry. Who's going to shear them, you know? Yeah. Because we've bred them so that they grow a lot of wool. I just read this on Instagram the mm-hmm. other day, that if you don't shear them, they, like, can't survive because we bred them so long. Yeah, and they the wool just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, and they they can get more diseases and it can get all matted and it's and they can't eat. It's not hygienic. Have you ever seen eat. pictures of escaped sheep that have gone like years without being being sheared and then I they like catch them and no shirt on. <laughs> I'm amazed you survived this yeah. long. <laughs> we have created a world of monsters. 
Yeah. Yes. For our benefit. Yes. No, it's okay. Yeah. So let's let's look at it the other way, right? Say there's a sheep population boom, and there's like over eight billion of them. All the cows have been abducted by aliens. And then the, the sheep, we just breed them instead because all the cows are gone. Oh, so we've replaced the cows with the yes. sheep in the wow. scenario. Yes, that's my, to be logical here, which I think is, is very important to do On with these podcast. absurd questions. Yeah. The cows have been abducted by extraterrestrials, and now we only have sheep to rely on. Did you come up with this because there's no way in which cows and that many sheep could coexist? I actually came up with this because uh, the reason sheep population has actually been declining (gasps) domestically, like on farms, is because cows are more economically sound for a farmer. Like there's a bigger profit margin and incentive. uh, And just because Mm. of the beef, the dairy... Yes. The market is larger. Not exactly. a lot of people eat sheep in comparison to cow. So I, I had, mean, Sophie eats none of yeah. these things. Mm. So Congratulations. I had, what's it like to be better? <laughs> <laughs> I said nothing. <laughs> like, if there's a lot of livestock, right? Yeah, and we're talking the, about how it affects the, the globe. Poop. The poop. The poop. I was going with global warming. But oh, sure. Oh, no. Poop yeah. Is, I mean, they're... It's all downstream, you know? It's, yeah, it's related. <laughs> it's related. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I was thinking climate change. Yeah. How does this affect? Because a, a big concern actually with cows is the amount of CO2 equivalent gases that they produce, right? Because cows and sheep are both ruminant animals. They have uh, those multi-chambered stomachs that slowly break down all the, the grass that they're eating. And that emits a lot of methane, which is a potent greenhouse gas. More potent than CO2. Right. Although not as long lived in the atmosphere, right? Correct. So there's trade From what I could find, sheep emit about 40 kilograms of CO2 equivalent for every kilogram of food product. Cows emit 71 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per kilogram of food product. So, Ooh. hooray, sheep emit less greenhouse gas than beef. So if they replace beef, that's good. Now, mm. but we're talking about not just replacing cows. We're no. talking about outnumbering humans. Yeah, that's right. a lot. So what does that mean, right? Do we actually get more CO2 equivalent net? I did some very bad math on a napkin. Oh, we did the math. It's we going it, it will be math. one day if we yeah. get you our act try together. Again? You want to try again? Yeah. Ready? We, we did, did the math. math. All right. That's very nice. Yay. Yeah, really good. So, uh <laughs> I don't know if, like, sheep CO2 equivalent scales, you know, I I am not sure about the numbers that I found because there's, I had to do a lot of, like, daisy chaining different, like, units together to get what I wanted to. But this is what I got. Let's say we remove those 1.5 billion cows that are on Earth. By the way, there's 1.5 billion cows on Earth. And then we add enough sheep to make up for that source of protein going away. And uh, you would have to add 8.5 billion sheep. Oh, because of their size? Yes, because sheep are smaller. Oh, and they don't produce as much? Right. Right. So you'd need actually more sheep than humans to, like, replace all that food source. By a factor of about one to eight? That's that's my shoddy math. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So let's just did say... Did you just use like their raw mass? No, I went, I did like research on like if you are a farmer and you're taking a sheep that weighs this much to the slaughterhouse. Sorry. <gasps> what do you get back? What do you get back, right? Huh. Like the proportional oh, meat product that you get from each living sheep versus that of a cow. Huh. On average. Great. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Though. That's huh. a lot more sheep. Yes. A lot it's... more sheep bones. Yeah. Yeah. So I even round up to make it easier. Yeah. I said, let's say we have 10 billion sheep 
Like that a lot easy. of sheep. And with my math, I calculated that you would still actually have less than half as much greenhouse gas emissions in this scenario. Really? That's what my math said. So, wow. I mean, your math is the math. Yeah. Yeah. I did this math. I was tired and I was using internet figures and just my phone calculator. But I figure this scenario will never actually happen in real life. So even if I am technically wrong, we'll never know. That's true. We'll never so, know. So don't at me. Anybody. We don't even really have an audience for this podcast yet. So no one's going to fact check. Literally talking into the void here. Nobody's going to care. What I wish and hope for you and manifest for you is that this becomes so successful that you will get added a lot for this exact topic. And people will be doing their own math. They'll be sending in calculations. They'll be comparing. There'll be a subreddit that's all about all the different calculations that could be possible. Here's my my ace in the hole is when you're doing this math, though, you get really tired because you're counting sheep. Uh, Yeah, and then you run out of steam. This was a long setup for that. It was a long Walk, wow. wasn't it? It was it was a it was a woolly dog well or a big well sheep. Thank done. you, thank you, thank you. Okay, now uh, that all said, lamb, mutton, it's the second most greenhouse gas intensive protein source after cattle because they're both ruminant animals. Still, you know, not great than like not meat or even like chickens or something if you care if you care about greenhouse gas emissions. There are other environmental impacts, right, from having a lot of sheep. There's, you know, you got to manage the manure and whatnot. And then I found an interesting thing that has to do specifically with sheep that you have to do with them called sheep dipping. Wait, what? Yes. You, like an ice cream cone that you dip in chocolate and it comes out deliciouser. That is exactly what I pictured. What? Yes. That was a high five. That was a nice moment. It was nice. <laughs> also, really great, like, visual in your head. Yeah. It just seems so, I don't know. It's like a little vanilla ice cream. Yeah, but it's so fluffy. See, there's, like, cute little sheep heads my mind, on the side, like, bleh. My mind went to Achilles being dipped in the river Styx to oh. protect him from wow. harm by his ankle. That's Do what I got. have ankles? What? <laughs> You'd think they'd have, like, four of them. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, So this is in order to protect sheep from parasites, things like scab mites, lice, keds, right? Because they have that wool, they're susceptible to these things that burrow under it, burrow into their skin, and then make the sheep sick, and the wool falls out. So you have to, quote unquote, dip them. And for a long time, from 1840 to 1980, do you know what they used for that that chemical dip? Oh, no. Oh, no. Arsenic. Of course. Yeah. You know, because it kills a lot of stuff, right? So you're like, this is great. It was either that or cocaine. Let's just just put a ton of arsenic in like one place and then like hope that just doesn't leach into the groundwater or what have you. Or your skin when you wear the clothing that has been dipped in arsenic or the meat that you eat when, yeah, okay. They should have stuck with opium. It's just (laughs) such a, like the 19th century loved it so much. so. So... Yeah, if we're like pre-1980s and like sheep are becoming very populous, you probably have a serious problem with a lot of patches of land having arsenic contamination. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, that they still have issues with in New Zealand. Like, yeah, when you buy a farm that has like an old sheep dipping pit, they're like, don't have anything graced near the pit. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that. I know. That's the whole point of this podcast. Hey. Uh, But ultimately, in the end, I thought about it and I was like, okay, we can think of New Zealand as like a microcosm of Earth, maybe even like a Middle Earth kind of place, right? Where it's got like all these different environments that, you know, you can trek across. Now you're speaking my language. Orcish. Hold on. I want to see what Trace pulls out of his fife bag. 
I could have kept going, but it's... <laughs> Can that also be a segment? <laughs> There's always a Middle it's Earth segment. It's talking time. <laughs> talking time. You need a tattoo of a fife, and it says, like, fife life. <gasps> <laughs> well, now I know what I'm doing. There this we podcast go. gets 100,000 subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's true that currently New Zealand does have more sheep than people. Uh, 5.8 sheep to every one person. Wow. That's a lot. Right. In oh. 1980, at its peak, it was 22 sheep to a single person in New Zealand. Not like the sheep took over or anything. Right, yeah. Sheep didn't, you know, rise up and take over New Zealand. So I, I think it's shaped to say, basically, the consequences of there being more sheep than people would be there are more sheep than people. So that, Sophie, that is my conclusion to if there were more sheep than people. Thank you. Thank you It would be a fuzzier world. (laughs) With possibly pits of arsenic that you should avoid. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Julian. My pleasure. Thank you. But every future documentary, I'm talking millions of years in the future, that looks back on that time period would have to call that era in history (gasps) when sheep ruled the earth. Yeah, of course. Definitely. As they do with dinosaurs. (laughs) Wow. Like dinosaurs had like a government. There would be Mm. a... And a a bureaucracy. (laughs) There would be like a... Like a Jurassic Park, but for sheep. Yeah. Burr, burr, burr. Fife that. Fife that right now. I can do that yes. one. <laughs> that was pretty close, Trace. Never done that before. That was weird. I hear this is John Williams' process as well. <laughs> If you've turned into this, turned into it, you've turned into one. You've turned into a science comedy podcast. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm a podcast. Am I going to be late to work? If you're tuned into this science and comedy podcast, chances are that you are someone who loves learning and having a blast while doing it. If it wasn't clear, Trace and I are the same way. We thrive on learning new things because it not only enriches our lives, helps us learn new skills, but also makes us really cool at parties. Is that what we are at parties? Are we? We are, right? We're cool. I mean, when you're at my house and I'm at your house, definitely, but like... Uh, other houses. Anyway, <laughs> this is all to say I am super excited about our new sponsor, Brilliant. Yay. Can I kind of get a little like, you know, in my feels for a second? Oh, yeah. Get those feels. Elaborate, please. Hey, I see what you did there. I am exactly the kind of person that Brilliant was made for. I have always been interested in math, physics, computer science. When I had the chance to study these things in college years ago, I was also really intimidated by them. Yeah. And I avoided taking these classes. And honestly, I regret it. I'm going back now. I'm taking classes at my local community college. I'm loving it. Yeah. But with a family and work, traditional classes like that, I'm finding them really hard to actually fit into my life. So I was really excited when you told me that Brilliant was going to be a sponsor. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, by the way, out there. It's an interactive learning platform with so many lessons on topics that I always wanted to explore, and I can do them at my own pace, on my schedule, and in a way that keeps me engaged. You can learn by doing on their website or with their mobile apps. And there are thousands of different interactive lessons in STEM subjects all across the platform. Their lessons are engaging and interactive. You can brush up on like algebra or advanced math, multivariable calculus, differential equations, computer science, Python programming. You can even learn about cutting edge stuff like large language models, neural networks, the things that are powering AI today. Large language models, really big right now. (laughs) Large language models. You can learn large language models. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's only Gaelic, though. The large language that you can learn is Gaelic. Yeah, ship that. I'm in. We can finally communicate with the Scots. <laughs> okay, well, anyway... Wherever you are in your learning journey, there is a brilliant course that will help you get to the next level. Or, you know, just be basic enough to get you an understanding that you can go and work with. Yeah, they're always adding new courses too. They just launched a ton of lessons focused on analyzing data. That's cool. That's really cool. I think the world would be a better place if everyone had to take a stats class. Oh, totally. And if you haven't taken one, here's your chance. You could just go take a statistics class and make Julian so, so happy. I would appreciate that. Try it out. You can try Brilliant for free for 30 days. Just visit brilliant.org slash absurd or click the link in the show notes. Once again, that's brilliant.org slash absurd. When you sign up, you'll get 20% off the annual premium subscription and it supports the show, even just trying it out. So go ahead check it out maybe get sucked into a few lessons trace and i are going to be here with the rest of the episode when you get back if you get back oh i hope you get back they come back and they know more than us about everything <laughs> they're just like these guys are idiots <laughs> their brains are the size this huge brain coming out of their cranium i've absorbed all knowledge why do i listen to this podcast of dummies i have no time for your absurd antics <laughs> But I would definitely take one on large language models. A cool. Scottish AI robot that nobody can understand. Sadie, <laughs> <laughs> turn on the lights! Sadie! I'm the burglar alarm. It supports the show. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm going to go next. Yeah. Uh, and I have a question for you. Yes. Why did you pick my question? Okay. I think I should first state that question. Yes. And that question I had for you, Trace, this week was, imagine a world in a world, in a world, in a world where in superpowers world. are an everyday occurrence, which one would be the worst one to have? Wow. You know, you look at the all the different superheroes with their flying and their speed and the invisibleness, and I'm like, day to day... If if this were an first of all, if everybody had a superpower, then it would be boring. Yeah, right. Like the same way, if we were all wizards, like magic would be a boring thing. Yeah. You know, I love that idea of like if people could fly, we would consider it exercise, and we wouldn't do it. Right. right. It would just be like a hassle. Like oh, I gotta fly over there now. <sighs> Uh, yeah, like levitate over there. My imagining was if all these things were possible, I want to know which one would just be the biggest pain to be like, man, I can't believe I was born with x-ray vision. This like anytime I want to have some privacy, you know, and not see my parents in the next room, you mm. know, making siblings like I, just, I can't. <laughs> I cover my eyes and I see through my own hand and then I just see my like that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that would that would suck. So I assigned it to you to kind of elaborate what you think would be scientifically the worst superpower. I mean, it's a great question. I want to know, uh, so start thinking now. I'm going to ask you in a second what superpower you would pick for yourself. The thing about worst is it's a tough metric to hit because it would be dependent upon the person mm -hmm. and about their situation. Mm -hmm. So, like, one of the things I thought is the worst would be the one who they have wings, but somebody else can just, like, fly like Superman. Mm. It's like, oh, I have to flap. Oh, my God. Or, you know, maybe you have a superpower that's like a cuttlefish where you can, like, change your skin color, but it's not like we're all of a sudden all nudists, so you, it's under your clothes most mm. of the time, right? So, mm -hmm. it's, like, there are superpowers that would be the worst that would essentially be like i'm a normal human that doesn't do anything cool or have to work way harder than all these other people 
Okay, I so, like that. Generally speaking, those would be the worst. And I sort of went down a rabbit hole in a different direction, which is to say, if we had CRISPR, mm. what could we actually give ourselves in general as superpowers? Mm. So the official definition of a superpower is an extraordinary ability or power that are beyond what is considered normal for a human being. So what superpower would you pick, Sophie? Well, I have to answer it already. I thought I was going to have about 15 minutes to think of something. Just minutes. Oh, good grief. I, what would your favorite superpower be? Or like, what would your, what would you choose for your superpower? You're still just stalling here. Um, (laughs) Actually, I have thought about this and my, my superpower would be the ability to understand all languages. And that includes not just spoken ones, but like the language of the mind, body language, Mm. language of computers, you know, there, I think have been examples of this in pop culture. Um, I think heroes had somebody that could do this little kid who was cool. But like, I think that one is a superpower that could be very useful you can't like travel real fast or save the planet necessarily unless you work in government perhaps Mm -hmm. but it could be really i think useful yeah Mm -hmm. i like that i was gonna go with something really normal like boring like invisibility i know everybody's gonna think i'm a perv but it it would be fun and then or like give you a little like bracelet that flashes red <laughs> like, so that when you're invisible, everyone knows where you are. Like how you have to put Ooh. a bell on your cat. Yeah. Oh, yes. a bell. Just put a bell. Oh, you're a little in, bell. On. You're invisible visually, not auditorily. So, like, yeah, just you have to wear a bell when right. you're invisible. Yeah. You could use your powers for good or evil. You get to decide. It would be evil. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. Wow. You decided yeah. that part really fast. That yeah. Was really fast. Yeah. yeah. Sounds okay. more fun. I have one now. Yeah. I would want my superpower to be. The ability to create empathy <laughs> between people, people who, who, if they could only just let down their defenses and really think about the other person, they would realize they're on the same team. We're on the same page and we just need to chill out and like see each other's perspective and, and be like, oh yeah, you're right too. I see where you're coming from. Let's figure it out together and problem solve so that we could really tackle these like major changes. Because I was thinking I'd want to be able to create change. Solve world hunger and solve climate change. So you're your superhero. You'd be feelings girl. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Feelings woman. Feelings empathy, woman. Yeah. Um. Um. Captain empathy. <laughs> Captain empathy sounds. The empath. Yeah. Right. Ooh. I want to be Deanna Troy, but for other people. For other people. Yeah. Being like. Like, wow. I'm imagining the two of you in a room and there's a little lightning bolt connecting your brains and then suddenly you're like, oh, we're and friends. Then, and then I mean, you're, you're already friends. Yeah. Your, your arch nemesis would be like psychopath man who's <laughs> incapable of feeling uh, yeah. empathy. Yeah. But here's, can my enemy live up to my powers? Right? Because yeah, wouldn't we become friends? Irresistible force meets immovable object, right? I don't know. Ooh, that's don't fascinating. Know. That's a test. Your a superpower test. is world peace. That's is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, but getting us all in on it together. That's nice. Yeah. I know that might sound hokey, but it's really boring. Boring. It's a little bit of maybe like it it would feel like a real burden sometimes, but I think it would be worth it. Guys, a 2018 survey of Americans on superpowers. Yes, continue. <laughs> had several answers that I think you will be surprised by this. None of the ones you picked. Uh, no, that's not true, actually. Invisibility. No, empathy wasn't the first. <laughs> empathy was not number one. The top 10 are the ability to heal others, 
That was a kind what? of related. I think that's similar. the but ability physical. to heal yourself. Yeah. Therapy. Mm. The ability to become invisible. Number three. <gasps> oh. Ability to fly, which I'm surprised did not come up in this conversation. Well, I'd love to do it. Don't get me wrong. It's just. I feel like it's lower on the list. I think if I'm invisible, I could sneak up on somebody who's about to fly and just jump on their back, and then they would think they're really heavy, but I could get a free ride somewhere. They can fly, yeah. but they have no feeling. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Or I could sneak onto airplanes, and there's absolutely no implications about security for that. No, or like weight. Yeah. Flying, yeah. Some, flying somehow feels like a little easier than the others we talked about, and I just felt like I should shoot for the moon. As far as your actually, the more I think about it, the more I think you nailed a lot of these. Because then number five, the ability to read people's minds, which you would need to do in order to empathize. Um, The ability to teleport, the ability to manipulate time, superhuman strength, the ability to move objects with your mind, superhuman speed, x-ray vision. uh, And then 10% said, uh, don't know, no opinion. (laughs) Yeah, that was the shocking. 10%, yeah, right. 10% of people were like, I don't know. Hmm. In the age of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stage 27 or whatever one at this point, really 10% of people have given no thought to what superpower they'd want. And they did the same survey in Italy and found similar results. Self-healing, teleportation, invisibility, and time manipulation all did really well. That Mm. would be really interesting to see the world over is are the answers consistent in yeah. every culture. I w- yeah, and so I tried to do that, and unfortunately those surveys haven't been done in a lot of places. These were the only two that I found. Oh, we got to do them. very short uh, research on this, but um, it was. I did think it was interesting that even in two somewhat separate cultures of Italy and the U.S., they had very similar ideas of self-healing, teleportation, invisibility, and time manipulation. Yeah, I want to get Marvel to like sponsor a grant where we do this research let's do it and then they would know how to effectively target (gasps) certain heroes for markets right maybe it's a conflict of interest but i think we could make this pass an irb i think we could get it funded let's all right put a pin in it let's think about it okay but while we put a pin in it Mm -hmm. can we sidebar for a second just like sidebar sidebar so pin and then go to a sidebar sidebar over here yeah uh superpowers are dumb she was drinking tea in the middle of that. <laughs> that she was so close to ruining your microphone. <laughs> well, it was free. Uh, <laughs> the reason superpowers are dumb, and this is a theory that I've had for a long time, is that you need two. There's no such thing as somebody is like, I was born with a superpower. Mm. You need to have multiple superpowers and make any superpower work. Mm. I pose the following examples. Flying. Great. Super cool. You're flying in the air, but you'd also need to be able to process life at lower oxygen levels, not get hearing damage from rushing air, worrying Mm. about goggles, bird strikes. You'd also look kind of ridiculous because you'd have to wear like armor, essentially, Mm. if you weren't invulnerable. So you'd probably need some level of invulnerability. A fairly minor crash at like five miles an hour would likely kill you. Like... you need multiple superpowers in order to survive having one of them. Yeah, you know, I actually was listening to an interview with a a U-2 pilot the other day, you know, like the spy plane that can fly at like 70,000 feet. Not the band? Not the band, no. Or, not oh. not with Bono or the, the Edge, edge. or whoever, a, whoever else is in yeah, the band besides the two members that everybody knows. No, like a, a former Air Force pilot who flew U-2s and she Wait, was saying- Wait, U-2 the band has more than two members? 
And they don't have their own pilot? It's not like, how many members are there? Because then it should be you four, hold if there are like four members. Hold on, hold on. Maybe it's like side. you two, me two, oh, us, to a couple more. You two. We're going to have to do a corollary to this sidebar. You is a variable, <laughs> and there are varying members of the band, depending on what they need, but there's yeah. always Bono and the Edge. And then they're the two, but I, you is wait, the variable. that's what it is. There's like plenty of people in the band, but but Bono and who's other? I don't. And the, the Edge. edge. The Edge. Then, uh, you two and the Edge are always the ones that are late, so they're like, you two! And that's how they got the name. <laughs> They're like, you two, we need a, we need you up here. We're late. Get on stage. Very inclusive. Then yeah. there's also Larry Mullen Jr. Adam uh, on the drums, Adam Clayton on bass, uh, Dick Evans also listed on guitar, and then Ivan McCormick not listed as anything. So but just uncredited. There. I assume he's the guy who put their album on my iTunes without me asking. Mm. I think that was oh, his yeah, job. Oh yeah, probably, probably that. Um, okay, so you two flying. Right. Yeah. So they fly at such high altitudes, right? So they can be out of range of missiles and more safe, right? Um, but they're so high up that they have to wear a, a pressure suit. Mm-hmm. Like they look like astronauts in there. Mm-hmm. And they before the flight, they actually have to like spend hours like getting the nitrogen out of their blood. So just like breathing pure oxygen so they don't get the bends and, and um, decompression sickness, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and they still have serious issues after their time because they'll fly like 12 hour long missions at these altitudes they have like done studies of their brains and they have like these are people in their 30s and 40s and they have brain lesions that you would expect to see for somebody in their 60s and older wow and they have a lot of issues with like um uh kind of being in a fog you know like they have accidents sometimes where they'll like crash or nearly crash or just like forget what they're doing and it's because they've spent so long like at these high altitudes where there's just no air so yeah i could that that makes total sense so that's that's my point basically and this sort of answers your question but i'm going to keep talking after this all superpowers are the worst because none of them give you anything that you actually need without other superpowers. Mm. So, like, think of it like a superpower is you can play hockey, but you don't have ice skates, you don't have pads, mm. you don't have helmet, you don't have a goal, you don't have ice. Mm. So you need all those other things in order to be able to actually do the sport. But don't you think that a superpower comes as sort of a package? Like, mm. if you're going to have that superpower, it's in the fine print that you're going to be able to wield it without... Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, is there a lot of that in nature? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Right, because all of the the functions that we have, all of the abilities that we have are supported by a hundred other features that let us do that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and if you are, say, an animal that has a mutation at birth that gives you some new ability, you know, but nothing else supports it, then you you die and you don't have offspring. It's right. just right. natural selection. That's right? true. But we're not talking about a long-term, we all got the same thing. We're talking about like, I'm born with this one. Oh, crap. This one doesn't get me anything. Oh, like, no. So most right. superpowers would be bad. It'd be like, if I can fly, but I'm also just a regular person who's very breakable, I can only really fly at certain temperatures, certain altitudes, probably mostly hovering. Like, <laughs> not really. Very useful. <laughs> yeah. Because so you if you of... want to fly up high in the mountain, it's zero degrees. Like, so, right. What I'm also hearing, because Superman's knock is like, oh, he just does everything that's so boring, right? Yeah. You, We all have to be Superman. Yeah, then. right. Yeah. We have to be generalists 
Yeah. Right. You can't, no, like, specific, like, oh, you get one thing kind of superhero. We love to talk about every superhero Mm. by their, like, main power. Yeah. You know, Wolverine has this main power of this healing power. It's incredible. It does all this stuff. But he also must have some other powers that support it. Metabolism that Mm -hmm. either is super efficient unless he's literally constantly eating. If he regrows a bunch of stuff, if he's constantly fighting the adamantium that's on his bones, like, he has a superpower that he doesn't need red blood cells somehow like it's, <laughs> the, the biology would have to adapt in a way that it, you need another superpower this isn't to say we shouldn't think about it it's to say the more you think about it the more it's magic and that's fine i just think it's really fun to think about it this way where it's like wow all the superpowers we don't think about that all of these supers have name some ways that people have gotten superpowers other than being born with them Bitten by something. Yes. Yes. Bitten by a radioactive or genetically engineered spider. Super interesting. Actually, my favorite one. We're going to come back to that. Name another one. Gamma radiation. Yeah. Radiation. That's a big deal. Can mess with your DNA. Super cool. Does it at random. Not the best. Vats of chemicals. Oh, that yeah. That happens yeah. where you fall in. Mm-hmm. Also can mess with your DNA. Gotta fall into the vat. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Uh, uh, being exposed to the rays of a yellow sun. I mean, I guess you could say I he guess. got his superpowers being born that way, and then the rays activated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Him, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't just born in Connecticut. No, Kansas. Kansas. Right. I mean, he was. Which born is in also Kansas. true. He was born in neither <laughs> of those places. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're not wrong. I know. <laughs> I know. I want to stress that. That he was just... not an incorrect statement. <laughs> just making a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he was not born in Alaska? He was not born in Madrid. Nope. He, nope. Yeah, he wasn't. He would be a super hombre. In- <laughs> there is an excellent comic book of what if his little pod like had left twelve hours later or oh, earlier, yeah. and he landed in Russia or like oh. the Soviet Union, and he became like the people's hero. <laughs> <laughs> Strong man. Yeah. yeah. Then he would be. Well, you know, Stalin means like man of steel in Russia. So he would just be Stalin. Just be Stalin oh my man. God, Stalin is <gasps> alternate universe. Super, has anyone seen him with his glasses off? <gasps> I have one more to add to the yeah. list. Uh, a virus. Right. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Sophie, oh, for bringing it back to so that. So good. So that is also why I like the spider one, because that is the way we could give ourselves superpowers now if we wanted to, mm. using CRISPR-Cas9. Uh, so you can edit DNA now using this system. Again, not perfect. It does make mistakes. But let's assume in a perfect world where people do have superpowers, we gave them by editing embryos. Mm. Ethics aside, because mm-hmm. once you edit an embryo, it passes that on to everyone else, which is sort of what I was talking about earlier, where if you have your parents and they have crappy superpowers, you're going to have crappy superpowers because that's where you got them, unfortunately. So to do that, we need an animal in nature that currently has a power that we want. Mm. You can't just shoot beams from your eyeballs into, you know, from other dimensions because no natural thing has that. Mm -hmm. We'd have to find a genetic way in order to make us not only pull from another dimension, but be able to then shoot things without hurting ourselves out of our own bodies. So, some ideas that I had while researching this is chimps. Chimps have a stronger muscle system than we do. Mm. So if you wanted super strength, you could theoretically take DNA from a sh- from a chimp. And c- I was going to say a shrimp. That would be. <laughs> so not shrimp, chimp. So we, chimpanzees are pound for pound stronger than humans by about 1.35 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, any ideas as to why? Evolutionarily? Just, you know, what 
physically is letting them be stronger because they share their DNA with us, right? 98%, uh, at least 99%. Uh, they're big arms. Why they're big are their muscles. muscles better? They're, oh, so why? literally okay. just like the muscle pound. It's not like a arm construction like gives them yeah, more no. leverage. Okay. Uh, the, their legs can generate a force of a human who is two times heavier. Than them. Yeah. So pound for pound. Do their muscles just have like way more potential to to move, like stretch and and pull? Their muscles, so there are two different types of fibers in Mm -hmm. our muscles. Mm. There's slow twitch and fast twitch. Slow twitch are long endurance muscles, fast twitch are quick, literally faster muscles. And that a a human is about 70% slow, 30% fast. A really athletic human might be more 50-50 or even swap that 80% fast. Well, Um, yeah, but a chimp on average is about 70% fast twitch muscles. Ah. So they are very strong, but they can't do it for very long. So we could take, if we could identify the genes in a chimp that make it so that they have more fast twitch muscles, we could take that and it would be a superpower. And we have actually done that. Oh, oh no. <gasps> Chip Man is out there on the loose right now. Oh, well, God. so there or is a mutation. Woman, I'm assuming a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a mutation in a gene, ACTN3, which makes the protein that controls fast twitch muscles. And we ACTN3. naturally. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Yeah, ACTN3 is a cute nerds. name. Yeah, it's cute. Little action. 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 We, got, we got an action protein. Action. Julian's just shaking. Just head. scientists and their acronyms I are, are so funny. Yeah. yeah. So if you have. Uh, a gene in your body right now, all of us do, many, um, but if you have two active ACTN3 genes, then you're probably already, we're born somewhat stronger or faster mm. or just are better. You go to the gym and you're like, oh, how do they get their results so fast? And it's like, they might have a better fast twitch muscle development. Mm. 18% of us though have the opposite. That's two defective ACTN3 genes. So yeah. Wah, wah. Superman, x-ray vision. Eyes don't emit x-rays, so you'd have to be able to absorb them, Mm -hmm. uh, which means they'd have to be out in the environment, which would be banned for all of us. So that's not actually, I think, a valid superpower for a regular person. Yeah. Even if you could see them without being damaged by their high energy, there wouldn't be any. Because if there were, then x-ray machines wouldn't work, right? Right. Because we need to Mm -hmm. shield that whole room from x-rays in order to isolate and capture just what we want and in fact the atmosphere blocks most x-rays in about a few meters within the atmosphere you lose them all so and instead how about we just see infrared it's close you can see maybe bodies through walls you can see you know all sorts of things Uh, and we can do that now actually oh Uh, so the human eye can has rods and cones they can see a couple different things but if you inject a particle into the eye you know you have to genetically engineer yourself that particle absorbs infrared and then emits (gasps) into the visible spectrum that we can see now Really? So you could potentially do that. They've done it with mice. It awesome. Can, yeah. It's converting the infrared into a visible light wavelength? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of bends it back into red. Yeah. So you end oh. up seeing what would be there. And they tested it with mice, and they found that they could, with just an infrared light, they could see it. They could, like tell that it was there mm-hmm. with this stuff. I don't know what it well, does to your eyeball, though. I don't know if I would I, do that. But. I wonder if you could do the same with ultraviolet, because, yeah. like, something that's phosphorescent, like, you know, a highlighter or whatever, and then you shine a, a black light on it and it glows all bright, is doing the same thing. It's it absorbing ultraviolet and then just re in, for us, the visible spectrum. Yeah, yeah. But I would see why they would do infrared 
rather than ultraviolet because the lower wavelength would be a little, just a little more. Maybe easier. Safe. And there, yeah. there are animals, though, that can see like ultraviolet, like bees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, it's funny, I was just looking in my, my wife's studying biology right now, and I was flipping through a textbook because that's what I do in my free time. Nice. And Nerd. <laughs> we love you. Thanks. And they had pictures of like flowers that to us just look like a boring yellow. But with ultraviolet vision, bees can actually see that the petals are uh, different colors on the edges versus the middle where the nectar is. So like the color of the flower guides bees to where the nectar is. Mm. So the world, it would be cool if you could see ultraviolet. I mean, yeah, the mantis shrimp is one that I looked up, but it's not any specific gene, but they can see, I think they have like 12 rods and cones, so they can see all sorts of colors. But I was like, that's not a superpower. Unfortunately, even though it's often portrayed as such in science communication, they're not particularly good at discerning color. So even though they can see a wide variety of colors, way more than we can, they don't actually, because there are so many, maybe it just becomes muddy, like they can't tell the difference between them as easily. Maybe you need the, the what lobe in your brain is responsible for processing vision would also have to be like mm-hmm. beefed up. Yeah, yeah maybe. Occipital lobe. Maybe. Yeah. You couldn't just like upgrade the eyeballs. You'd have to yeah. upgrade all, this, the, all the wet all the wear. Getting back to your thing of you've right. got to have supporting right. superpowers on your superpowers. So the number one superpower was healing yourself or others. And uh, for that, I thought from nature, we should go to one of my favorites. And I think everyone's on the internet, the axolotl. (gasps) So cute. Such a cute little salamander. Mm -hmm. And it regenerates limbs, spine, even parts of its brain with no scarring. It just regenerates it. It's not perfect. There are some pattern issues based I, on studies they've done. I didn't but. know this about the axolotl, and I consider myself to be one of the foremost axolotl experts. You have an one. axolotl expert. An axolotl spurt. An, ex- an axel spurt. You do? Well, I actually, so again, my wife, biology, and she's obsessed with everything. And so we're always, we're always researching like what next animal is going to be like part of our family and she for a while was like axolotl and so i did learn like oh they're like yes a salamander but they're they just permanently stay in like an adolescent stage like they don't ever turn into the full amphibious salamander like other salamanders do and uh, they also are only found in like caves in mexico and Mm -hmm. those are the things i know about an axolotl which i think relatively speaking is a lot but i didn't know about this like healing ability they're super healers they can regenerate whole limbs and it's really incredible stuff i don't actually know how they do it but if i can make a theory that's unsupported by anything i'd love that um please elaborate knowing that they are the adolescent stage of a a salamander and they never grow out of it maybe it's possible that they they have those regenerative abilities because they're still in that like youthful Mm pre-transition a lot of plasticity yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i love it so Mm -hmm. if we were like axolotl people we would actually be stuck as babies all the time that might be a side effect yes (laughs) whoa but babies wanna... who can do stuff. Yeah, babies with jobs. Yeah. Boss babies. Oh. Is that, I think that's us now. This episode is brought to that's you just by being a millennial. DreamWorks Pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in your bloodstream right now is a protein called MG53. It helps you heal. It heals your organs. It heals your tissues. But it works with another protein called TGF-beta. The two of them work together to make sure that you heal, and the MG53 is to reduce scarring, whereas TGF-beta is like that dude at work that's always frantic and crazy, and it's just like, I gotta get everything done! Mm -hmm. And so TGF-beta is like, heal, heal, so fast! And MG53 is like, it's okay, we're gonna be okay, we're gonna get there, Mm -hmm. it's gonna be fine. So, if you were to mutate yourself, 
where you would have more of both, or but slightly more MG53, you might be able to heal in a lot of different ways and also not have scarring, which would be important because that would be the thing about regenerating. Just because you can regenerate doesn't mean you regenerate perfectly. Even the axolotl, they've learned, they thought it was perfect regeneration, but the more they look, certain parts of their DNA doesn't regenerate as well. So they end up with like some transcription errors and things that happen. What well, is the worst superpower? Or is this rhetorical or do you want us to take a stab? No, <laughs> I, you can, yes, please tell me what you think is the worst superpower. Empathy. <gasps> oh, Sounds ouch. exhausting. <laughs> It would be so hard. <laughs> All right. No, I see where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? I I see I'm exhausted just by you having empathy. I'm like, oh my god, shut up. <laughs> no. And that's what I'm here to change. No, Julian. stop it. I can't. You can't make me feel <laughs> this is the the origin story of psychopath psychopathy man right here for guys, me. As I'm turning the into the joker. Of each other? Yeah, yeah. As wow. it turned and it started yeah. here on this podcast. You know, we just we, met today. Yeah. And this is this is the beginning of the next MCU. Wow. Endeavor. They're really scraping the bottom of the they barrel really after. <laughs> what is this, phase, phase seven? Phase I, 27? Uh... At some point, it's going to be like Land Before Time, okay? You're just going to have so many of them. Okay, so in a survey by Trans Impact, they found that the most popular superpowers were also healing, self, others, or teleportation. But in that same survey, and I don't think Julian's going to be surprised on this because of what he said earlier, three in five Americans would use the power for their own benefit over the benefit of society, family, or friends. That does not speak well for humanity as a whole. Anybody else? Even the people they love? No. And in fact, they would keep it a secret when asked. More people would keep it a secret than not. And if they were asked specifically, flat out, okay, would you use it for good or evil? What did Julian say? Yeah, it was evil. Yeah. 0.4% said they would use it for evil. 0.4%. would use it for good. Okay. This is promising. But 20% would use (laughs) it for both. Good and evil? Good and evil. Wow. So I'm just like, ugh, I'm just like not feeling it right now. I'm going to do some evil because uh, I have a superpower. Oh my gosh, they'd like uh, curse people? I don't it? know. I You're guess. like, you can't heal. Oh, I like, uh, I like, like you would make people open. feel empathy with someone. That, oh, anything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I could heal you, but you like made me feel bad at the last meeting <gasps> in front of our manager. And Somebody, so I'm just going to yeah. let you. Because at the end of the day, we're still human. Yeah, you know? Yeah. That's we're our still, biggest problem. We're still capricious. We're still... Great word. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Three out of four people said that they felt the world would not be a better place if people had superpowers. Um, and then I just want to throw this out there. If you were going to use your superpower with malicious intent that only benefited yourself and break it down by age, who's the most likely to say yes? Younger people or older people? Old people. Yes. Yes. It's the youngs. No! No, Gen Z! 93% say it ain't so. said that they would, uh, yeah. It's, I had so much hope for you. Yeah. yeah. Boomers were only 7% yes, 93% no way. No, no we Z. know that's not true. Gen Z was <laughs> that can't be true. 7% yes, 53% no. So almost split of just like, meh, you know what? Maybe I'll cheat on this test. These results are really challenging my worldview and opinions on humanity and like the difference of generations. Yeah. So wow. the answer to your question, Julian, yeah. what would be the worst superpower is uh, any. 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 Any and all. Yeah. I can see that. It would just make the world a worse place, apparently. Three out of four people felt the same. Okay, well, nine out of ten dentists recommend 
uh, did I floss? Does that mean that I have to do it? I love that. Only if you want to keep your teeth. I mean, I, I guess not. Okay, so it wasn't you the strongest. You have to do anything. It wasn't the strongest example, but you, know. you see what I mean. Just because three out of four people say it ain't so, does that mean it ain't so? No. It's up to that fourth person. Mm. You so know? You're world. saying the best superhero is like Quail Man? He's just, just like Doug with a belt on his head. He's still Doug. He's just like trying to make people feel better about themselves with underwear on the outside of his pants. I have to believe that there are more people who want to make the world better than there are people who want to make the world worse. Because otherwise, why are we here? You know? All statistics to the opposite. Maybe it's vital (sighs) that we don't have superpowers, so we we are forced by social contract and obligations to act for the collective good. Because it is ultimately in our own self-interest. We're all just down here in the mud. Yeah. 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 We're all in the mud together. As soon as one person can ascend above that, they're like, see ya, mud people. And then they... Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Elon Musk is making... He wants to get out... All the richies want to get out to space. They don't want to help. I definitely (laughs) saw parallels there between like superpowers <laughs> and social economic status. So I mean, Iron time. Man's superpower is money, right? Batman's superpower <laughs> is money. They both have, I would say, smart. Okay, too, Batman's yes. then is rawly just money. And yeah, and hmm. a really good uh, logistical supply chain to get yes, stuff that he which needs money bought or like sure, physical money. prowess, which he has time to do. You know, train to be a ninja with Rachel Ghoul because he can just take a vacation and I mean, somebody with three jobs can't become a ninja assassin. And mm-hmm. Nolan asks, you know, he was dead. Yeah. So it wasn't really a vacation. He, like, he, killed, he was dead. He was declared dead. It's the ultimate vacation. Yeah. Wow. Vacation from life. <laughs> if you're being cynical, which apparently we are. Yeah, we're quick. This is a very cynical show. Three all of a out of four. <laughs> I'm just telling you <laughs> yeah. what the people said. The worst superpower is any superpower, but the best superpowers are, unfortunately, for Julian, empathy. And like, communication and being happy which are all things you can develop um just on your own with like practice yeah. and and at self reflection and education which that's, isn't yeah. that nice that's yeah. so empowering yay yeah. congrats wow. superhero listeners sophie who gave you your question I believe Julian gave me. It my was question. me again. <laughs> I had a lot of questions about um, humanity this this week. It was and, a rough week for you. Yeah, and both of you decided graciously to uh, to answer them on my behalf. And so this one actually stemmed from uh, studying with my wife for her biology class. You know, we were going through like phylogenetic trees and where different you know species branch off from each other when they you know mutate and change and gain these qualities and whatever. And uh, what I was very curious about was, do we have some inkling of what the human species will become next? Like what's in store? for us you know like what major branching path might we take is there even a way to know and so uh you i think that's a pretty big like bite to take and and you went for it so hats off and i would love to hear what you found i love this question and similar to how i i thought of my own question i went with my first thought was that we will become like naked mole rats. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're most of the way there. We would all be Ron Stoppable's like little pet. Right? Think. Th- okay, so think about it. 
naked mole rats, I was like, what are we going to do next? We'll probably end up being like hairless. We'll be oh, probably pretty much <laughs> you got a long way to go Can but take that sweater off oh <laughs> i can't i can't do we've it. got to shear him <laughs> don't worry we're gonna have eight billion sheep to take care of you yeah you'll warm. blend right in nobody will judge you nobody the sheep will think you're their leader yes oh, <laughs> you will lead the uprising <laughs> so will most of us except for trace in you know evolution where trace will still be around uh we'll be pretty much hairless we'll be pretty much like blind will live underground probably um think about like these are naked mole rats do these things and i was like oh we won't probably won't have wisdom teeth we probably won't have all of these vestigial or just uh expendable organs right like a girl matter and stuff so i was like basically a naked mole rat and then my second thought was okay so like maybe we won't evolve much at all because we will think about evolving and then we'll start scrolling tiktok and get distracted and then it'll be like 8 30 and time for bed mm-hmm but I, I, I'm imagining we'll evolve like a more efficient claw on our phone hand <laughs> for our, scrolling our, through video. Uh, or get it will, yeah. because of epigenetic use. Yeah, it'll ex- naturally extend across the phone screen because uh, I struggle right now. My my hand, I have big oh, hands, our and pinky they're a will get too small. Too. Yeah. Right, so it'll it'll be a, a selective exoskeleton that still has haptic feedback, but right on the thumb. Yeah. So that we can be strong. Okay, so these are great. These are all great ideas. Not okay. where you went though. Well, I mean, I went to naked mole rats, and then I went yeah, to... Yeah, totally. That's... We won't. So everything's valid. And the beauty of this is that it's a prediction. It's speculative. Uh, we won't be around to find out. Thank so, goodness. Yeah, we but can But this just... podcast will. But this podcast <laughs> and... will stand the test of time. <laughs> Future anthropologists of whatever species will become will find only this as an artifact and be like, they were idiots back then. Unlike now. Unlike now. We're so much smarter. Oh, <laughs> new TikTok just showed up. I have to move on. Right. Welcome yeah. to Rats Absurd. Please elaborate. <gasps> I'm your host, Naked Mole Rat, Sarah. <laughs> and I'm Og. <laughs> also Og. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously these are wrong, but oh. are they wrong? <laughs> Or are they right? Somebody really likes to play up the suspense. I like it. (laughs) One idea is a little bit more right than the other. Which one do you think is wrong? What, naked ro- mole rats or longer thumbs for phone scrolling? No, are those na- the two options? No, Julian. <laughs> naked mole rats, or we don't evolve because we're scrolling TikTok oh, too much, oh, and then oh. we get tired, and it's time for bed. My suspicion has long been that because we've come to a point where we manipulate the world around us to to meet our needs, that we will basically n- not keep adapting. Um, that is what I've kind of assumed. Yeah, I've always been on that track as well, but, but except with a caveat that we will adapt, but those adaptations will be based on essentially systems management. Because that's, I don't see humans being like, unless we go full Luddite and just eschew all technology, the technology or, will just continue to wrap around all of the pieces right. of our lives and we'll just be managing all of that. So maybe our attention will change. Maybe how we process information might evolve. But in terms of physicality, we, I don't know. Or or we are put into a radically different environment that we we cannot manipulate with technology. I'm thinking if some humans become a spacefaring mm. uh, like offshoot mm-hmm. and are in microgravity constantly, yeah. mm-hmm. that yep. that would have a dramatic effect. Can't manipulate on 
our physiology as a species. And okay. like that's isn't that just the expanse? We've just written the expanse. It's just like oh, yeah. there are people that live in the asteroid belt, and there are people that live on Mars. Yeah, and they're different. Yeah, turn a lot of this show is just going to be coming up with ideas people had years ago. I hey. feel like, but anyway, <laughs> that's, isn't that all shows? That's, yeah, <laughs> and isn't that a lot of science as well? Well, friends. The answer may surprise you. <gasps> surprise me. <Wow. laughs> so these are really good ideas. Really great thoughts that you had. Uh, first, before we dig into that, I would like to tell you a little bit more about the naked mole rat. <laughs> Did you just come on here to evangelize naked mole rats? Are you like a secret naked mole rat super fan? And you're like, this is my chance. You it's not know, a secret now. You know, I it's, like, a, it's a naked obsession now. Hey, I just think it's important that we honor the naked mole rat for a moment and I want to give it its time in the spotlight which is rare because they are subterranean yes that's right. hard for them yeah. they okay. don't like light very much they don't and you know what they wouldn't see much of it anyway so we could shine a bright light every I think fine um, okay so the naked mole rat is part of the rodent family however it is unique it is very cool and specific within the rodent family so mice live about like one to two years mm-hmm. naked mole rats have been known to live up to 30 years. Whoa! So they've got this unusually long lifespan. Um, They're subterranean, as we said. They are virtually blind. They're nearly hairless. They get all their water from food. So they just, like, sort of eat the insides of tubers and stuff and get all their water content that way. They have an unusually high tolerance to infections. They have a really high regenerative capacity. So Mm. they're... Yeah, I know, right? These are all things we've, like, talked about already today. It's so cool. They also have a real resistance to diseases, cancers, diabetes, things like that. Um, And here's a fun fact. If the others weren't already, mice have gallbladders, but rats do not. Huh. Yeah. What? Interesting, right? The gall. Or lack of of it. So that's just a little bit about the naked mole rat. And put a pin in it. Just keep it in the back of your brain. All right. Put a pin in the naked mole rat. Got it. (laughs) Gently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I would like to define evolution. We got to define it so we can talk about it. So evolution defined by Merriam-Webster as, uh, I'll just read the whole definition, but it is a descent with modification from pre-existing species. Mm -hmm. So the cumulative inherited change in a population of organisms through time leading to the appearance of new forms. So the process by which species and populations of living things develop from the pre-existing ones and become different through Mm -hmm. successive generations, right? Now, there are different types of evolution. There's micro and there's macro evolution. Micro is specific genes changing. So you already talked about this a little bit, Trace, right? Like those genetic mutations that happen, the specific genes that change, that's Mm -hmm. microevolution. And there are multiple mechanisms of that, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about in a second. And then there's macroevolution, which is like species level or higher. Right. So the mechanisms of that evolution, natural selection, we've probably heard about. Yeah. Right. And that's when the species adapts to their new environment and then they survive and then they reproduce and they pass those genetic changes on to their next generation over time, over many, many generations. There's also sexual selection. Mm -hmm. Very cute. And that's when traits of the member of a species uh, make it more attractive to mates. So they're more likely to reproduce. So it's not necessarily an adaptation to an environment. It's just something that makes them more attractive. Oh, I actually have a fun story about that. Not for me. (laughs) Not that I've done anything to make myself more appealing to the opposite sex. That's not the case. Mm. But um, uh, I actually was reading about... um, you know, sword tails, they're a type of fish that have a little long extension from one bottom part of their tail. And scientists were wondering, like, okay, is this, like, some sort of benefit to the swordfish, or is it uh, not a swordfish? 
Swordtail. Swordtail. Thank sure. you. Is this a benefit for the Swordtail, or is this kind of hijacking some inlaid tendency of the females? And so what they did was they took, they went back and they found like a, a distant relative from Swordtails that didn't have that Swordtail extension, and they attached little artificial Swordtails to the males mm-hmm. to see if the females of the species that didn't have the Swordtails selected those males more often. And they did. So this little sword tail was just hijacking some instinct of the female fish to just prefer like an elongated little bottom part of the tail that like wasn't present in other related species, but it was like latent there. And if those species started having the little longer tails, then the females would breed with those males more. (gasps) I know. And it served like no advantage. It was just like, oh, wow, that sword looks pretty good. You know, he's backing a big sword. Backing a big sword. That's the, the human equivalent that I think about when I think of this is height. That we are getting taller as a species, Mm. generally, because like females just prefer taller males. There's a bunch of research that shows this. And there's not really, as far as I can tell, a super advantage to being tall. It's not like we've just evolved because of cupboards. It's just that we are, we have better nutrition overall and the environment is such that we can just grow a little bit more. Yeah. But it's not more resources. Per- yeah, more resources. But right. if you, you know, if you're really tall, then your chance of earning a lot of money in the NBA goes up. So I think that's a fair reason to. <laughs> but what if you're like middle class tall, like me, like six two? You're not tall enough to join the NBA, but you're too, and you're not good at basketball. But you're really uncomfortable on airplanes and any other public transit. But you're still attractive to mates, so you got that going for you, bud. Yeah. Thanks. Good job. But like, <laughs> shout out to our short kings too. Yeah. Yeah. Short kings. Of course, absolutely, and of course, this is all just like, you know. This is generalizing. Yeah. What? I know. Because oh, it's like your general empathy or something. No, it's like maybe I am. Curse you, general empathy. Yes. And of course, yeah, like ultimately, and that's, if there's anything that we can evangelize, it's that height doesn't matter and that you can just love who you love and don't worry if they're taller than you or shorter than you. But studies show that there's just this thing where we're just like, oh, tall, cool. Mm. And I'm a short person. So, you know, I, I wish <laughs> I could benefit from this. But uh, so... There's natural selection, sexual selection, mutation, that's like a permanent change in the DNA sequence of a gene, as we were talking about. Um, And then there's genetic drift, where there's like the change in the frequency of that variant. And that's due to random chance. Mm -hmm. That can just be out of nowhere. And then there's gene flow, where that's the migration of genes because populations are being exposed to each other and they're they're just moving within a species. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's our different context of the types of different evolution that we can have. Now a brief history, because I was thinking about this question of how will we evolve next? And then I thought, well, like, what timeline are we talking about? Mm -hmm. Because there is a lot of talk. A lot of people say we've stopped evolving. Right. Like, have we just hit where we're going to go and it's all downhill from here? We literally said that just at the beginning of this part. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a quick, uh, quick little history. So hominids uh, evolved about five to eight million years ago. Mm-hmm. And then Homo sapiens, our species of human, emerged uh, a couple hundred thousand years ago. Like yeah. Two to three, depending on, you know, which Where you go. Yeah, fossils. I've seen, yeah, that's yeah, about what I've seen, like 600,000 to 200,000 or something yep. like that. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. is a big range. Nothing. Right. It's yeah. a big range to us, but yeah, in the scheme of things, in the scheme of eight million years, yeah. right. pe- peanuts, you know? Yeah. And then we've developed the capacity for language about 50,000 years ago. New. So Brand new. Very new. Spanking. And then agriculture around like 10,000 years ago. Wow. Barely came out. We're early adopters of that. Exactly. And that is when things just really took off for us. Things really started to speed up. So 
In fact, did we stop evolving? Not at all. In fact, there is evidence suggesting that we have started to evolve faster. <gasps> I know. Oh my gosh, I love this. I know, I know, I know, what? I know. I know. No. I know. This is the so, opposite. Right? Total opposite of my guess. I thought you'd like this. Okay. So there's there are a couple reasons. There's an exponential population boom, of course, right? We have way more people than we had, as we've ta- discussed on the podcast already. Oh. So if there are more of us, there are more of our genes, right? More genes. And we're in new environments because we are globally traveling in ways yeah. that we didn't before. So we're exposed to other populations, other people, new sets of genes yeah. than we had. Gamma ray accidents are more frequent with <gasps> <Yeah>. our... <laughs> right? With, our... with all of our frequent U2 flights. Yes. yes. And band members. Oh my gosh. There's more U2 band members than ever. Than ever before. And they are going everywhere and they're meeting all the radioactive spiders. And it's, yeah, it's all converging. Yeah. In fact, we should email the Daniels. So here's some evidence that suggests Every, Everything, this. everywhere, all at twice. The sequel. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sequel. It's the sequel. So, Which actually happened before the original in that exactly. universe. Now, I want to be clear. These are micro evolutions rather than macro evolutions. So okay. we're talking about specific genes that are changing as opposed to the entire species of humanity changing into something else. So we're not going to like have, you know, like another arm or a tail, like a cool tail? or Well, it depends on, like, what is the line between that making us a new species, you know? Yeah. If I have a yeah. third arm, I'm what is sure the I'm What is the cutoff for speciation? The cutoff, right? that's a great, it, yeah, like, the cutoff is really if they can't reproduce successfully anymore. Right, like, the, the next generation, like, you can breed, like, a horse and a donkey to get a mule, but a mule is sterile, right? Because, right. like, it can't make the gametes that can then, like, breed. Or, yeah. like, you can make a liger, right? Like, a lion and a tiger, mm-hmm. but the, the liger can't breed, right? right. So, so a lion and a tiger mm-hmm. are still separate species because of that. I thought speciation was just, you know, some old people in a room being like, they seem different enough. I'm pretty sure it started that (laughs) way when science was literally like, you know, based on nothing at all, I think this is how the world works. And then you wrote it down in a book. And then hundreds of years later, we still have to use like your terminology, but have to clarify like everything. Like, okay, so this is what they thought, but it turns out that was totally Uh stupid. And we've. So, micro evolutions rather than macro evolutions. We're not becoming a new species, but we're having a lot of really significant changes happen, and they're happening fast. Uh, So, according to the anthropologist John Hawks of the University of Wisconsin, I'll just quote directly because it's really cool people are genetically more different from people living 5,000 years ago than those humans were from the Neanderthals who vanished 30,000 years ago. Wow. What? That's like a That 70s Show thing. And a That 90s Show That's thing. what I mean. Wow. That's yeah. right. So here are some examples. In the past 5,000 or so years, these things have happened. Uh, the ability to digest milk as adults has happened with people in Europe. So Europeans tend to be able to digest milk where in other places of the world. Yeah, lactase retainers. Good job. That's right. Um, In Asia, people develop drier earwax. What? Mm -hmm. Oh, that would be nice. Yep, right? It would be. be, Yeah, I don't have that. What? Yeah. (laughs) Who's measuring this? It's... Scientist. What? <laughs> Dearest Reginald, I have written you to discuss earwax. Earwax across I've, the globe. I've noticed the average Asian person's earwax is much more crumbly than mine own, and I request several thousand pounds to investigate. And I just won't stand for it. <laughs> it's not fair. Yes, uh, in 
in Africa, there's a resistance to certain diseases, right? Like malaria or mm. Lassa fever. In Inuit DNA, there has been found like a thriving on fat-rich diets. Oh, yeah. Good for for those, all those Arctic mammals. Yeah, all right? that blubber. And then this one, I think, is like the wildest. In about 3,000 years this has happened, there's an increased blood oxygen content in the blood of people in Tibet. Good for them. That's cool. And, and, and is, that, right. is that persistent, though? Or are they like, you know, because uh, we can, you know, we do like high altitude training for athletes and stuff. But when you don't spend a lot of time at high altitude, you just kind of lose that. Great do, question. I do think, so the research suggests they're they're looking at the comparison. Mm. In the past, they think this evolved over the past 3,000 years. Okay, so even compared to past Tibetans, they yeah. have a much higher blood oxygen. Yeah. That's cool. There's Because there's a gene that, that is coding for it. So are like, a mutation. They are like selected yeah. within their Successive population. generations getting just like more like sharp like they're not as much in a fog because they're not like oxygen starved. And right. Like... They're like focused enough to have sex and reproduce. Ah, that's the key. <laughs> that's funny because usually for me, it's a result of being unfocused. Mm. You know, it's like yeah. I'm distracted and I should be getting work done. And <laughs> suddenly you're reproducing. And then I'm reproducing. Oh, wow. Right. Well, you know, it all evens out, Julian. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is like a small percentage of our genes. This is we're talking like between seven and eight percent of our genes that are starting to have this change. But that's a relatively short amount of time. Hmm. So that was very interesting. It's to me. also I've heard of the the malaria resistance too. But I I remember learning a long time ago in a biology class that the recessive genes that when people um, have them that result in sickle cell anemia mm-hmm. are also the genes that when you just have the the um, one recessive a I double mean, recessive yeah, yeah yeah when you just have the one of the recessive genes though it also makes you more resistant to malaria and so mm-hmm. that's why African populations like have that but yeah like I, I, I it's an interesting trade off of like oh cool like malaria the deadliest thing ever for human beings like you avoid but sometimes you get sickle cell anemia right right like and- if we broke our bones a lot like I was saying in the superpower thing, maybe we would have more people with this like unbreakable bone gene, but we'd also see more people with double recessives that yeah. would have brittle bones. Yeah, but then then they die out, and then yeah, human, and then human, out. then that's if we allowed them to, right? But now yeah. we're at the point where we keep everybody alive, or Thank we try goodness. to, we right. do our best. But some people are like, I'm not wearing a helmet, and then they go ride a motorcycle. Well, there is this really interesting thing that I have as sort of a um, an asterisk of technology and innovation that we've created, and are we including that in our idea of evolution? Because mm-hmm. we have created a, a system in which certain things we don't need anymore, right? We don't we don't need to worry about uh, lions and just like jumping into this window right now and eating us for dinner, right? We have other other things to worry about, but that's not generally one of them. So uh, we've created all kinds of technologies and all kinds of innovations to help us live longer and be healthier and live long enough to reproduce. So yeah, there's a whole there's a little sidebar thing of yeah. what are we counting? Yeah. Because some people think that bionic adaptation is evolution, is evolution and mm-hmm. us becoming cyborgs is the future. And that's maybe that's the future, but is that evolution? Mm, I'm not convinced. Maybe the evolutionary component of that would be like our immune system, like better deals with implants or something like in a thousand years, a hundred years, you know, a few thousand years. But right now, based on your 
annual, you know, like, oh, we had existence 200,000 years ago. We had farming only a few thousand years ago. Technology is, I mean, industrial revolution. We're a lot like order of magnitude even less. So it's, it's, we're still barely started. Right. Which brings me to my next question in this, which was, well, what's coming down the line in the next few thousand years? Right. Mm. If it takes about that long for these micro evolutions to be seen, well, what do we have that we're going to need to adapt to next? So of course, climate change, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lots to go along with that. Um, The energy needs are going to continue to increase as we have more people. This is all sort of with the, uh, we're assuming we're going to make it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We don't so, accidentally nuke, nuke ourselves. Or yes. just, you know, flood ourselves or... Right. Yeah. Right. So this is this is just the set of uh, constraints that we're working with in the operation of the understanding that we have found a way, right, we have to adapt to climate change rather than just be wiped out by our own making. Yes, Trace. I had my hand up. Thank yeah. you. Um, uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, <laughs> is this where Waterworld comes in? Uh, the documentary Waterworld? We will all evolve Kevin Costner's hair. We will become Kevin <laughs> Those Costner. Those long, beautiful locks mm. to protect us from the sun and overexposure. May Costner be with you. Interesting. And also with you. I had... <laughs> I had a different theory about hair, but I'm I'm interested yeah. in your Yeah, you went less hair and I went more hair. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, okay. I'm going to do great in one of these worlds. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to just see what the mates pick. That's right. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's right. Sexual uh sexual selection could totally override any of the natural selection things and we could just be like, well, it doesn't really make any sense to have hair anymore, but everybody loves but it. But the ladies love it. <laughs> and that's what matters. <laughs> so, you know, that could be our demise. We'll see. Um, so climate change, energy needs, technology, of course, is going to continue to uh, increase and expand uh, in the next few thousand years. And space travel is probably fairly likely in the next few thousand years. Again, if we make it that long, we're probably going to end up going to other places. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? So then what is the most likely future for us? Like what is, as far as scientists and writers think the next like trends in evolution are going to be? Right. So based on like the things we're seeing now and where we think we're going, what are we going to get? Right. And a lot of scientists and also a lot of people just writing articles about it on the internet think that we're going to be taller. We are going to be prettier. Um, okay, another another theory you may have heard of is like, will our brains get giant? Mm-hmm. You know, like I've we never s- heard that. We <laughs> about you specifically. Yeah, or? it's already pretty big. Yeah, big brain mostly the way head. You got a big brain. Brain. Good brain. Got a good, good big noggin. brain. Mine's, yeah, mine's brain. huge and very smooth. They tell me very. Your brain? Yeah. Oh. I get a lot of compliments from neuroscientists. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. They're like, wow, I've never seen one so smooth. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) It's... Oh, man, that's funny. Um, So... There's like the sci-fi movie version of future humans or things that are more developed and they have giant brains and tiny bodies. Mm-hmm. And this, the chances of that happening are pretty slim. Mm. One of those reasons is that the, the brain right now is fairly efficient and there's a lot to do with the proportion between our body size and our brain size and we're getting taller, but the chances of our brains getting that much bigger is pretty uh, low. And the constraint would be the pelvis. Yes. <gasps> yes. Where this has always the been. Yep. The, uh, the big human uh, stopgap is like just the size of the birth canal. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. Too big? Not going to happen. No. There's you... a, a great quote from the Australian Museum that I wrote down because it is, quote, the pelvis is a compromise. Mm. <laughs> There's more to it, but I thought that was just a perfect That's, that's great. 
That's yeah. great. It is a compromise between upright par- posture, bipedalism, and the size of the birth canal. So, yeah, there's just, we just can't get that much. Yeah, better. yeah. This hmm. is, I remember I, I was always curious about, like, why is it that, like, gazelles can be born and then they're walking within hours, but babies are so dumb for so long and so useless? And it's because, I looked into it, the theory is that we're born with our brains relatively less developed compared to other mammals, because if it was more developed and our heads were bigger, you couldn't be born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so, we have time to to develop. So if our brains got bigger, it wouldn't be that stereotypical, like, giant brain, like, skinny little body. We'd have to have big old hips, Big too. old pelvis. Giant. Just, so we'd yeah. be so curvaceous. Yeah. We'd all where, would it, where would that baby shape. come out? That's right. And, or we have mm. to be really dumb for a long time. Very pencil shape. We're just like, we come out. Like like extruded like play doh cone heads we'd be cone heads and so then like, we slowly be like oh that kid nah his head's not even round yet <laughs> oh yeah he's an old he's, pencil head still. you got it once yeah. you get them like play doh you gotta then roll them around between your palms that's right their, to their get head the red, to get yeah. the round baby head shape before they dry yeah 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 or you could do fun things you could like pretzel knot like the baby head and then grow up with like a big pretzel there are historical yeah. fashions where they would like form the skull of babies so they would be more pointy and yeah stuff in some like ancient yeah. cultures and thus more desirable to that yeah. breed yeah. of that species of fish i was talking about earlier so the chances are though it'll probably get smaller our brains, if anything, might get a little bit smaller. Is that because of TikTok? Is that the influence? <laughs> it's already begun. <laughs> um, probably because they would p- potentially get a little more efficient, um, mm. possibly a little less fatty. There's just, there, yeah, it will. They'll probably stay about the same, but maybe a teeny bit smaller. We may also not be as physically strong because, uh, along the lines of what you were saying with the chimps, we don't need to do the things that chimps need to do. We haven't in thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. So our upper bodies have become less strong because we didn't need it anymore, and so mm. we just that was just not as efficient. So might be not as physically strong, but taller. You know, very light. So that's nice. But very nice. Taller and prettier, but but dumber and weaker. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe not dumber. Brain size and intelligence are not. Not particularly. Not, it's not a yeah. one-to-one, right? Like yeah. everybody yes. thinks. Although right? there are some there are some people who think we will get dumber, and that is, there's, oh man, there's just actually so much. I think that goes theories. back to the we have to keep everybody alive thing. Well, also, one of the ideas is that we have evolved physically to get yeah. here, but our technology and our society has evolved so fast that our brains psychologically weren't really ready for it. I have said mm-hmm. that forever. Yeah. So, I yeah. So, we're, like, we're basically, we're like, kind of freaking out yeah. all the time yeah. because yeah. there's we're, too much happening too much happening we're used to being in small groups where we kn- we have a few intimate relationships for a lifetime now we are with all kinds of people we're living in cities on top of each other it's very anonymous a lot of the time but we're interacting so we form like thousands of relationships yeah mm, Dunbar's and- number What's up? What is it like? We can only have space in our brain for like a hundred fifty-seven other individuals I think it's or something. Sixty, it's even really lower low. than I thought. It's really low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and after that, we just can't care. We can't be asked to care about. We we physically individuals. cannot make relationships with more than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like catch-up numbers. Yeah, it's one hundred and fifty connections. You're right. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Nice. Oh, <clears> more than catch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is it? Uh, that's so. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of anxiety. There are a lot of these. Uh, things that are making people like we think a lot and we don't know what to do with those thoughts and we're real sad and so it is possible that we'll evolve to just be like a little happier a little less thoughtful Mm. but i mean i don't mean thoughtful as far as caring i mean like there's that's just one idea that we may be just 
We overthink it less. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, Which I think is interesting because we have to be clever enough to come up with these technologies. So I'm not completely convinced that 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 is going to be true, that we're going to be like dumb golden retrievers. Sorry, sorry, golden retrievers. You're not dumb. What? That was rude They're, of me. You know, average. They're just yeah, sort of like yeah, lovely. goofy, happy, super, like... Super cute. Th- 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 I'll say people. it. I'll, I don't care if I offend all the golden retrievers listening. <laughs> you're dumb. Aww. You're good dogs, but you're dumb. They're good, they're good dogs. <sighs> yeah. I have a chihuahua. I can't talk on this. Nah. I can't. I, can't. I have dumb. no room to dog I, shame. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not talking about technology very much, which I'm actually appreciative of because I think a lot of these conversations end up just in a technological rabbit hole. Yep. But there is one technology that I think is really interesting that might affect our evolution. I wonder if you looked into it. And so I want to ask. Julian earlier mentioned if you get taller, the ladies love it. What if because of our technology, it doesn't matter if the ladies love it because of cross sex pairing? Like we can turn, we can just mix gametes from any two humans. It doesn't matter what their sex is because we have the ability Mm. to do that now Mm -hmm. on some level. So it's like, would that make evolution jump? Because it's like we're mixing in ways that maybe we didn't before. Or is it just like, oh, well, the amount of DNA that matters your, that determines your sex presentation is so is not really relevant yeah, to like, evolution. Yeah, like are you talking specifically about whether the gender binary as it presents as sex features will disappear? Well, what I'm saying is, yeah, technology could make it so that like two people fall fall for each other and want to ha- reproduce. You just go to the reproduction center and they take your gametes, mix them together. You got a baby. Doesn't matter what how you were born because it doesn't like. For the most part, there's very small amounts that you need from specific groups. But generally speaking, we already have three parent children. Yeah. So as long as that organism can live long enough to reproduce, then that can happen. Right. right? Genetically, those genes can get passed on to the next generation. So that's a really good question. And a really big part of this discussion is our ability to genetically alter, to to alter genes through technology. Yeah. Mm. Like, how is that going to impact Mm. our evolution? Do we call that evolution? Do we call that innovation? At what point are they permanent changes to those Mm. genes that then get passed on to the next generation and the next and the next? At what point are we going to be a different species if we can't reproduce with? Yeah. When are we distinct? Yeah. From, from the humans of today. Possibly when Reginald writes it. his letter and says, <laughs> I found a new species. When our earwax gets so dry <laughs> that the earwax is similar to the Atacama. The children just cannot, they have no earwax at all if they right. crossbreed with the wet earwax people and then now you're new people. That's right. Well, yeah. Conversely to that, Mm -hmm. I think the technology piece is is absolutely valid and possible. There's a lot of ethical questions there. We're changing the genetics of embryos and all that stuff. And, you know, there's there's just a huge... We could have an entire podcast about that. Um, The other thing, though, conversely, is that we're getting more alike. Mm -hmm. Because we are intermixing so much with Mm -hmm. people across the world in ways we didn't 10,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago. So... The, the future may be that we all kind of look the same. We're all taller, prettier, and we all look the same. We're all kind of <laughs> olivey colored. Right, exactly. Yeah, with, dark, hot. with dark hair Can't and have probably a dark eyes. Great. Right. I'm so pale. Sounds excellent. I know, right? Yeah. Like, we'd all be beautiful oh my God. astronauts. But then I was also thinking, what do we need to survive? The climate crisis, right? If we mm. are going to make it long enough to become all these oh. beautiful olive, brown skin, brown haired, brown eyed, yeah. beautiful astronauts, like, how, how are we going to make it at all to be attractive for mates and also just to adapt to the environment? Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to need to evolve to 
consume less water. Mm. <laughs> I think we're going to have to be able to maximize our oxygen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. about the Tibetan example, because we're going to have a bunch of other pollutants in the air, we're going to have you know, less going around. There's more of us t- demanding all of these needs. So I think we're going to need to be heat tolerant. Mm-hmm. Whether that's our skin or whether that's building shelters, um, changing where we live. Do we go underground after all? Like, ah, where are we going to live? Wait. I don't know. You might see where I'm going. We're going to be able to need to digest microplastics, I think. This is not um, something yeah. I found in the research, but I think it makes There's sense. There's plastic and everything. At so much. Yeah. Like, what if we evolved to be able to digest it and actually, like, make it useful for our bodies? Mm. Um, and then I think we may pretty quickly lose the vestigial and the expendable organs. We're already seeing, like, fewer wisdom teeth um, appearing and people mm-hmm. were like, I, I had my gallbladder removed, so, you know, I'm evolutionarily <clears throat> advanced. Oh, yeah, you're one step ahead of us. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's it like to be? You could get an appendix and be two leaps forward. That's right. You get your appendix removed, yeah. Could be ready for space. If you go in for one, why don't you just get it all? You I know, just think, get it out like, while there. you're yeah. down there, Doc, just if you could make a little detour, just get that little dangly bit out of there. Did you know that before going to space, astronauts will have their gallbladder and their appendix removed? I because you don't need them to survive, and it's really freaking hard if they cause a problem in space. Did you know that astronauts have to conduct surgery closures and things? Well, so as Chris Hadfield put it, there are a few people in Houston that I stapled closed. Because <laughs> they had to learn how, just, right. gotta, just in case. Just in case. Just do in it. case. That's right. If it's just you up there. Yeah. Yep. You know. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sidebar, kind of, because it is related. But I do. I didn't get into it in this because there just wasn't enough time. But I do think that if we colonize Mars, that could end up becoming a different species of person. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, my instinct is definitely like, okay, Earth, as you said, it's changing, but like I do think we're going to adapt. I do like the idea of being taller, so when sea level rises, you're, mm. you're more you like know, the sheep. You're more in the ahead bath. of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So mm-hmm. that's that. That I think is valid, but definitely I think just like a drastic change of scenery, like spacefaring or another planet with different gravity and like different environmental conditions, is really gonna like after a few thousand years of that or several thousand mm-hmm. years of that, the people that are in Mars or in space are not going to be. Comp- Compatible with whatever remained behind on Earth. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. It's a completely new environment. Yeah. And so. we see this in, in on Earth when species are separated by like a boundary that suddenly appears. On either side of that, they start to drift apart and become right. more and more different until they're eventually different species two two different yeah. yeah right so I think that that's what's that could happen but for as far as the folks here on Earth um, I, I actually do think we're going to be hairless well, I think it's possible because... I think you just like hairless people. <laughs> I think that's your thing. It's really my goal for myself. <laughs> the, the no, your team no hair. As a small Jewish woman, <laughs> this is my hope. <laughs> I hope for the future. My hope for my own children. Uh. But I think that, like, why have hair if we don't need to be warm? Mm, mm-hmm. You know? Wow. It's going to be hot. I think hair is going to become a like a luxury status symbol, right? Like people will evolve no mm-hmm. hair and then certain people will start wearing wigs like French nobility because they'll be like the people who have affordable air conditioning in this hotter world. And it's like, oh, look, check me out. Or maybe they'll even have like fake body hair wigs, <gasps> you know, just like a first like, like a merkin? suit. Like yeah, merkins, like, but a, for your like a full body merkin. <laughs> Great band name. Uh, full body merkin. Full body merkin. <laughs> 
full metal full jacket, body. full body Mercury. Yeah, 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 full, yeah. Body, full metal jacket. The unmade Stanley Kubrick film, <laughs> Full Body Merkin. Yeah, that one's sitting on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> we well, get... I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up. Yeah. But hold on. Wait. Before we do, I just want to point out that one more thing that may happen is that we will become, get ready for this. I'm ready. We will become a little bit more kind. We will oh. become nicer because we are encountering so many more people and we don't have those in-group, out-groups the way we used to because we needed them for survival. We're going to be, we already are seeing it, even though it feels like the world is falling apart with violence all the time. It's a lot less violence than it was before. Mm-hmm. So we're already seeing that trend. And I think that that's going to continue. It's going to have to for us to solve these problems. It doesn't need to be a superpower. It can just be the next step in evolution. Which brings me back to all the things this sounds like. What does this sound like? I mentioned like hairless. We're going to get rid of our vestigial organs. We're going to have an increased resistance to disease. Are you going to tell me naked mole rats are also the most empathetic animals discovered by science? Is that where you're going with this? I like to think that they are kind. (laughs) Based on nothing. I just look at a naked mole rat and I go, that's a sweetie pie right there. That's a nice that's a nice thing. They live in large groups of like 300 in a oh. They get along. They yeah. have a lot of collaboration. What? I like to think that naked mole rats are kind, and we are one step closer to evolving into them. All right. So the future is mole people ruling the world. Congrats, <laughs> conspiracy theorists. You're, you're, right. you're right just early. But they're happy. They're happy mole people. Happy bug-eating mole people. <laughs> and they're underground because on the surface are 8 billion sheep. <laughs> With x-ray vision. (laughs) And we've tied it all together. How tidy. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, for bringing that incredible evolutional (laughs) discussion. Thank you, Julian, for answering the question, what happens when there are more sheep than people? And I did fine. Thank, thank you for making me happy with the current lack of superpowers that I have. So I appreciate that. Very welcome. Sophie, where can people find you after this podcast if they want to know more about your thoughts? I am on all the socials as Science with Sophie. So sciencewithsophie.com, Science with Sophie on Instagram, Science with Soph on Twitter because of that character limit. Ugh. But that's where you can find me. What about, are you on the toots? Do you toot on the mastodon? Do I toot on the Mastodon? It's what it's called on Mastodon is a toot. We just want to make sure that when you're you send out, just in case. Yeah, I toot on the Mastodon. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, and I, I guess I'm not really on TikTok, but I might be in a million years. Thanks so much for listening to That's Absurd. Please elaborate. We are so excited to get this show out to y'all, and we hope you love it. Please subscribe or follow the show so you can get all of our episodes. Let us know what you think by leaving us a review, following us, sharing, starring, hearting, or just generally positiving. If you have a ridiculous, silly, far-out, wild, crazy question that you want to submit, go to thatsabsurdshow.com, click on Ask a Question. You can also just send us a message on one of the major social networks. We're on a bunch of those. That's Absurd. Please Elaborate is produced and hosted by me, Trace Dominguez, and Julian Huguet. Our producer-editor is Kyle Sisk, and the executive producer is also me, Trace Dominguez. You know, maybe someday we'll have a bigger staff. Our guest this week was Sophie Schrand. She's fantastic. You can find her on the socials at Science with Sophie. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you in the future. And in the meantime, keep asking silly questions, because they're the best.